Hey all, my name is Brian Baird. Welcome to my program called Truth is Truth. The program is a faith-based podcast. I will be discussing biblical truth, biblical faith, biblical faith in politics, and many of my life experiences relating to both, and hopefully experiences of others who are willing to be involved. This will be an evolving life application program that people will be able to apply to their lives every day as it pertains to them. Please join me as we learn the truth together. Thank you, and God bless. Hi all, uh, Brian Baird here again, host of Truth is Truth podcast. First off, I want you to know I'm here uh, at the studio on Easter morning, uh, the day we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'm here for uh, a couple reasons. Uh, first is uh, to tell you I hope you have a blessed Easter today as we celebrate the day that Christ fulfilled the promise of our eternity in heaven with him through the crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection as promised by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for loving us enough to send your one and only son to die for us. But I'm recording this uh, podcast Easter morning as I worship the one and only true living God. And I'm here this morning uh, when I would rather not be, but I just feel like there's some things that need to be said because of my love for my God and for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I know as I am here, there's a conflict in the hearts of many born-again believers. While we work our way through this tumultuous time and our hearts and spirits ponder how we are to react to some of the advisements coming down that involve our right and freedom to worship God and fellowship together in one accord as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, and especially on this day, the day that we need the fellowship, we need the gathering, and we need to exercise our rights and freedoms in this country. I'm going to discuss three things this morning. The First Amendment, what the Bible says about our gathering together in Hebrews chapter 10, and Daniel chapter 6, not for any other reason, but to hopefully strengthen our faith and what God has given us. To do that, what I first want to do, and you'll hear me shuffling some papers as I move things around, because I have a lot of notes. Uh, I hope I go by them. Most of the time I don't. But the first thing I want to do is read our First Amendment of our Constitution. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. That's our First Amendment, which gives us the right to worship our God in the way that we desire to worship our God in freedom. And I don't care what time of day it is. I don't care what time of night it is that you choose to do that worship. That is your right and your freedom. I understand we have a lot of things going on right now, but that doesn't change the application of the law or our rights. This is the first and one of the most important amendments, in my opinion, of the Constitution of the United States, which drew the foundation of our great republic. This, in my opinion, coincides with the first of what is known as the Ten Commandments given to Moses. Thou shalt have no other God before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of any thing that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath 
or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow thyself down to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord, thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. We are to worship and glorify our Almighty God. We are not to forsake Him for anything or any reason. This includes our worship and celebration of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and coinciding with the First Amendment that we have the freedom, the right, not a privilege, to freely exercise that right. There are no restrictions that can be placed upon what God has given us. Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. This assembling together provides encouragement and strengthening of our faith and acknowledgement of our commitment to God and one another. Collective worship is a vital part of our spiritual life. We need the fellowship of one another on a forward and personal relationship. I know I am always encouraged and strengthened any time I am present in the gathering of those who believe in one accord. You ask, can that be done remotely? Yes, it probably can but we are sense-based people. The decision to how we decide to gather and worship is between God and us, not man. Let's truly understand, as Paul did, that he needed to have physical presence of supporters of the faith. FaceTime or Skype or other things are not the same as the physical presence of the believers together. Bottom line for me is that it is our God-given right to fellowship and worship our God in the way that we feel the need. Some of us relish the senses that God gave us. Some of us desire the presence of those we care about and love more in our faith than any other perspective. And I want it to this point, I want to read to you from the book of Daniel in chapter 6. And these are a lot of verses, but I need to read them all so you understand the situation. Daniel 6. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom and 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, Neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God, my God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains, have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save thee, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it, it, it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore the king Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now when Daniel knew that this writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chambers toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed. It gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. And I want to note here 
that this is not something that Daniel did because there was the decree sent out by King Darius. This is something that Daniel did daily, and he continued to do that even though the decree told him he couldn't. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God, and they knew he would. They knew he would be there praying, and they knew they would be able to go find him doing that every day at the same time. So basically, as you know the story and where it's going, this was a setup. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save O thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, This thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Even if the king wanted to, he could not change the decree, which is still prideful and arrogant. But just the same, that's the way it worked. Then they answered they then answered they and said before the king that Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statute which the king established may be changed. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went into his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste into the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried, with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lions' mouths, that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. Does anything happening right now on this Easter sound familiar to this in this world today? I want to be clear here. Daniel did nothing more than what he always did. I'm not saying that we should be interested in disrupting people's lives or desiring to harm anyone in our actions as Christians by going over and above what is normal for our worship. But I am saying that anything being pressed upon us in our freedom of worship should not be implied unto us either. Are we being told that we should not worship our God in the freedom we have to gather and do so in our normal worship? I've been present in a church fellowship every Easter for many, many years. My God is all-knowing and all-powerful. Do you think there is anything that he does not see or know? I don't think there is anything bigger than my God or anything more important than my relationship with him. I have pondered this and I have prayed, I have read, and I have meditated. And I even go back to the basic Easter story where there was false witness brought against Christ from people who didn't even know him. 
and he, the people were being asked to come and turn him in and, and bear false witness against him as he was going through the trial, the mock trial that he went through for our salvation. But I'm going to give you a comparison, and I don't want anybody to misunderstand this. I've been witnessing this for weeks in many ways, but I'm going to give you an example. And before I say it, please understand, I'm not attacking any group, any person, or any religion. I'm just stating fact and truth because that's what this program's about. I drive by a course or two almost every day. I watch his foursomes go to a tee to hit a white ball around a field with holes and flags. Yes, it's called golf. I have nothing at all against golf or golfers. I've played some golf for most of my adult life. I'm no good at it and only play on occasion, but that's not the point. I almost daily pause and watch as these people gather together to accomplish this task. I watched them ride in twosomes, sitting right next to each other and gathering at the back of the cart to collect the necessary clubs to hit the ball. And there is absolutely no social distancing going on. And I'm fairly confident that these four people that come to this tea together do not live in the same household. So please don't insult my intelligence. But as this is occurring, we are being asked to separate even families and not gather together to worship on Sunday or whatever day you choose to gather to worship, but are being encouraged to go out and gather to exercise and play golf or run or whatever that is that we do. I watch as the parking lots fill up and people gather at vehicles and carts and groups of people and do no different than I desire to do with my fellow followers of God. And again, we are being encouraged and allowed to gather to play this game, but we are being told that we cannot gather in a parking lot of the same size or bigger and fellowship together with only a Bible. And we're being told that we're going to break the rules uh, that's a that's a foresight from somebody. So we give out a telephone number for people to call and turn us in for gathering and worshiping. I understand that we are being told to abide by the social distancing and all as we gather to play golf. That we're being advised not to get out of our cars or have physical contact, and that is okay to turn someone in if caught violating the social distancing, which seems to be the advice for religious gatherings. But what about all other congregating? Where is the outcry? for the people that are doing the, the non-social distancing everywhere else and every day. I'm out almost daily during the week looking at situations around the county and the duties of my job as commissioner, and I see many things being done against the orders of our leaders. I'm not picking on anyone or anything, but the standard does not seem to apply to all or is not capable of applying to all. We're making liars out of many people by pressing upon restricting our freedom to conduct our lives as we have the right People make free choices every day that violate what some call the right thing to do. And the right thing to do is different for everyone. Essential is different to everyone in any given specific situation. I am doing the best I can to protect my loved ones from the virus we call COVID-19. But I have to say, finally, I think it's been carried too far. I will say again, do the right thing, be responsible, and be accountable for your decisions and actions. But us as individuals need to make those decisions for ourselves. I am not apathetic to those who have different beliefs than me. As I have said, if staying locked inside wherever it is you are makes sense for you, please do so. If that's what gives you the peace in that, please do so. If that gives you that extra comfort level, please do so. I've asked my parents to stay in their home because they have, they're 81 and 83 years old and they have underlying issues, serious underlying issues that would make them a candidate for death, as well as it would for influenza B or some of the other diseases out there. 
My mom is a four-time cancer survivor, but her immunities are down. My dad suffered a stroke, and he's had cancer, and his immunities are down. I want them to be safe. But I will say this, knowing my dad and mom, if there was an Easter service that they could get to, if there was a church service that they could get to and be able to fellowship with other believers such as us, their family, they would do it in a heartbeat regardless of the outcome because their faith is not in this world. Their faith is in the promise of our Almighty God. And that's what I want us to understand. We have a faith that is different than some, and that's okay. It takes all of us to make this world go round. But that faith is real. My faith is as real to me as this microphone sitting in front of my face. My faith is all I have. The promise of what God has given me is what gives me my hope, what gives me my strength, what gives me my will to live and to tell people the truth. And I will not forsake that for anyone. I don't care who that is. And I want you to know you, you, you have a friend here in me because of that faith. And I want you to live your life as you want to live your life. That's between you and your maker or you and whoever that is. It's not my right to tell you how to believe or how to live your, your life. But it is my right to be able to tell you what I believe. And that's what I'm doing. And I want to add here, I'm so tired of hearing this. The government has no money. The government has no funding. The money you're receiving that they're giving you to stay home or whatever it is they're giving it to you for, the money that you're receiving is from anyone that pays taxes. It's not free and it's not given to you from those who regulate it to you. It is from hardworking, tax-paying individuals, whether that be from an employer to an employer. These are all individual people that are paying for these government-regulated processes. The government is not funding anything. People, taxpayers, are. And listen to me, folks. Government can never have money unless they accept it or they take it from you. And with that, I'm going to move over but and get over myself. I'm only asking that as a people, please consider all things in a responsible manner and do what is best for you and your loved one's situation. I have not seen most of my family and friends in a social way in weeks. I've stayed away from my family because that is what I choose to do in my part to keep them safe. I go to work almost every day as my position as commissioner requires that for my allotted responsibilities. So because of that public encounter that I have, Daily, almost daily. I choose to keep my distance as I do for my family. But again, I choose to do that. I can practice social distancing in a parking lot or large area and do so responsibly. If you cannot, don't participate. But I do not want to have my freedoms taken away by those who would have me bow to their will, except my God, the one and only true living God. He guides me as to what to do in my life every day and how to accomplish my worship. And as my pastor says, God said it, that settles it, I believe it. And that's how I'll make the responsible decisions in my life. Why would we ask people to call and turn people in and put that out there so many times over a church service? I have not heard that outcry for anything else. 
But since Thursday of this past week, all I have heard every day on the news is here's a number the governor wants you to call and turn these people in. Where is the outcry for all of the things that are going on that are wrong? And I'm just asking because I watch the news every day. And until this, I haven't heard this much outcry to do this type of thing. And I'm sorry. Truth is truth, whether you believe it or not. There's something wrong with that. In my travels around the county, I stopped the other day at an intersection because I couldn't believe how busy it was and how many vehicles were on the road, even though we have 16 million people unemployed and other people that are being paid to stay home, which is fine. That, again, is your choice. So I stopped at this intersection, and I'm not going to say where, and I sat there for 14 minutes watching All the cars go by. Cars that didn't have just one single person in them. The cars that had two or more in them going by me, wondering where they were going, what they were doing, and where the outcry was. 27 vehicles went by me in 14 minutes that had more than one person in them. And that's not counting the cars that went by that had one person in them. I won't go into that. But my point is... Why are we making liars out of our people, out of our citizens? Why can't we be held accountable and responsible to do the right thing as human beings? And I ask that you please do, regardless of your beliefs. Please be responsible, be accountable for what you do. But in that, don't take my freedom to worship my God. And in the end of this and in conclusion, I want to say I pray that God blesses you and keeps you safe as you work through these times. Because I know there are tough times for me, and I know there are tough times for you. And if you have the same faith that I have in the one and only true living God, I ask that you pray for us, pray for our country, pray for those who are suffering, pray for those who are ill, pray for those who just need a hand, somebody to care. And when you go to your God, as I do, do it from the heart, do it from the love of those people who suffer in all ways not just this illness we have going around. Forgive, love, and let's move forward. And let's be the people that God gave us to be, especially in this country of the United States of America. And I want you to know, as always, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, always and forever. And on the day that I take my last breath on this earth, I will see him face to face. And I will, I will rejoice in that. I thank my God, and I thank my Christ for this day that we celebrate called Easter. And it's not the day I celebrate. It's the sacrifice that my Lord made for me. And again, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. To everyone listening, thank you for listening. I hope you forgive me if I've stepped on your toes or offended you. That is not my intent. My intent is just to tell the truth and what's in my heart. And I'll say to you in closing, as I always do, be of good cheer. And I'm going to add to that today because Jesus will return soon. It's my hope. God bless. Love you all.